This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, February 5th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, this day used to be so much fun, man. I miss the old signing day. And, you know, I was one for a while that was calling for an early signing period, but I thought it would be like it was in basketball, where it would be like before the season started, not in December, six weeks from the traditional signing day. I miss today. I miss how it used to be, Bax. What's your thoughts? Do you like the way it is now, or do you wish we could go back to, to the way it used to be? Honestly, I think the December signing day is kind of stupid. Uh, like you, I figured there'd be like a August signing date where the kids who were sure that were sure would be able to sign with the caveat if the coach left that they got out of their LOI, and then everybody else would still be signing today. Instead, today is kind of like an afterthought. And uh, today used to be a ton of fun, but I also remember vividly that the majority of the signing days that we had that were full-time in February were the Trestle era. and. Generally, when you got a kid to signing day in the Trestle era and he made his decision on the signing day, he would wiggle the Ohio State hat and put another one on his head. Trestle always had the kids locked up early, uh, kind of like what we've, of course, seen here with uh, Ryan Day. But, you know, I think it's, it, it's weird. Having signing day in December and then in February, it would be like having Christmas in middle of October and then still trying to swear up and down that Christmas itself was so great when you've had 95% of your presents opened already. So uh, I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, I think if you were going to have an early signing day, it should have been like August 15th or something, right? And you'd have had a a tenth of the kids end up signing or a quarter of the kids end up signing. And it would be much, much more interesting going forward. So, And the other thing is is that with the early signing day, all the schools are laying heavy-duty pressure on uh, anybody who's committed to them to sign. We saw it with, uh, with Kim Martinez. Oh, well, guess what? Uh, he's not signing. It's panic time for everybody, right? No, this is normal that kids don't sign until February. Like, like the standard has changed. And it really less fun because none of these kids who, that at this point in time, Urban Meyer would be out there with the spatula flipping, are available anymore. And that part sucks because... That was one of the most fun things was to see which schools Urban was going to steal it. Or, like, if there was an Ohio kid who was committed to, like, Iowa or some crap who totally blew up his senior year, OSU would go after him and they'd end up flipping him by signing day. Now the coaches have to push so hard while preparing for bowl games, coming right off of league title games. And, you know, February is just an afterthought. It, it's uh, it's disappointing, to say the least, because – this used to be the day that, like, back when Bucknuts was independent, we just hoped the site didn't crash because there were so many people 
excited to see what happens. Uh, I can tell you a thousand different signing day stories from, I mean, remember Meg, the lacrosse player? I mean, <laughs> you had, oh, you had something. Meg was there just like with her like 40 minutes speech to commit to like Stanford for lacrosse and good for her. And we're all like, all right, get the Kyle Dodson, get the Kyle Dodson, get the Kyle Dodson, get the Kyle Dodson. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that happened on signing day is you would literally have a – you'd have to, like, itemize your schedule to follow all the commitments, starting with, like, the 8 a.m. on the East Coast ones, and you'd have a West Coast kid half the time at, like, 3 p.m., and then you'd have you'd have all kinds of crazy stuff. You don't get that anymore, and it's kind of uh, – it's taken a little bit of the fun out of it. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected it to be quite like this, even when they announced it was going to be in late December and there was just this you know, relatively small gap between the signing days. I think people thought – most of the class would sign in December, um, but there'd be, you know, a good handful of kids that would then sign in, in February as well. Not with Ohio State, and we've seen a pattern of this, uh, not, and not just at Ohio State, but the other top programs. Ohio State, for those that don't know, or might have forgotten, Ohio State signed 24 of their 25 commitments in December. They will sign just one today, the aforementioned Cam Martinez. I don't think people expected it was going to be quite like this, this much of a discrepancy where 24 kids would sign early, one kid would sign in the late signing period. At least I didn't think it would be like this. You know what another side effect is too, Dave? Schools are more likely to have an itchy trigger finger to fire coaches earlier on so they can get a bigger head start in recruiting for the uh, December signing date. Uh, It's one of those things where you know, if you if your coach stunk, you'd wait to the end of the year, you'd fire him, and then you'd have to hire him in December, right, the new coach. And then from there, you'd be sitting there waiting to uh, let him get the new staff in place, and they'd have two months to hit the road, meet all the coaches, start recruiting, and go from there. Well, now, if you don't have a coach signed by early signing day, or if you let them do what they – like, like well, remember when Michigan let Rich Rodriguez coach through the bowl game and then fired him? then you'd really be going for literally scraps at this point because most of those kids have signed elsewhere. It also makes it more difficult on kids when there's a coaching change situation. Think of all the kids who are going to Michigan State right now with the D'Antonio situation. All those kids may want to reconsider their options, right? Well, what school's going to have space for them? Because they've already pushed kids into signing early and into making decisions early. So a lot of those kids who don't know the coach is going to be up there are going to end up having to choose between sticking with a school that they like but they don't know who the coach is or maybe going to a lesser school that may or may not have room for them based on scholarship numbers. So I don't really like what it's done to the calendar in, in a number of ways. I, I, don't, I don't think this should be a permanent setup. I really don't think the December signing date makes a lot of sense. You should have one Heck, even if you made it October, right, where you lined it up a couple months earlier so that you didn't have it overlapping with bowl prep, overlapping with the guys who were trying to coach in championship games, overlapping with new coaches panicking, trying to just get anybody to sign that they can. The Like a new coach's first recruiting class right now, especially if they don't inherit much, is going to be a complete trash can show. And that's why I think you're seeing more and more coaches getting fired earlier in the season so that they can get the predecessors in place to be able to have more time to recruit. Yeah, I hope they change it. And, you know, I wouldn't, I do not want to see it during the season at all. Like, I would not want it in October. I would want it in 
late July, early August, and even early August, by then you started camp. I would want it in late July, right before camp starts. I think that would be the perfect time to do it. That's what basketball does. They do it right before the season starts. Works out just fine in basketball. Um, but uh, moving on, I guess the good news is, um, is today's a huge day in Ohio State coverage. We're going to get Ryan Day for a half hour today. We're going to get all 14 early enrollee freshmen. That's going to be really cool. All four of the all-star wide receivers, both quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller, Paris Johnson, all of those guys. We're going to get 14, all 14 of them today, plus Ryan Day, plus Kerry Combs and Corey Dennis. So it's going to be a massive day of coverage of Bucknuts. Um, all right, next topic, as Bax, as you mentioned, the bombshell yesterday, Mark D'Antonio stepping down at Michigan State. I don't think this would have been much of a bombshell if he did it right after the season. I had heard before the season started that this might be his last year. Um, and I am not buying for a second. This was just he just decided, oh, you know, now I want to spend more time with family. I think it's definitely connected to the Curtis Blackwell situation. Uh, just your reaction to Mark D'Antonio stepping down at Michigan State. And, and, and I don't know if you saw it at his press conference or rewatched it or anything, but just maybe your thoughts on what he said and the, the reasons he gave for stepping down, if you buy those or not. Yeah, this is 100% to do with Antonio not wanting his career to end under NCAA sanctions um, or being fired from his job for committing NCAA violations because Curtis Blackwell is essentially allegating in the case that Antonio was involved in illegal recruiting practices and was involved in finding parents and uh, jobs, essentially, for their kids committing to Sparty. And those are the sort of things that if you're Michigan State and you're already on thin ice with this performance in recent years, you may be just deciding to cut bait and go. So I think D'Antonio took his $4 million career achievement signing bonus in January, was hoping to hold on for another year, and just isn't at this point. And I'll also say this. There was a a rumor floating around yesterday, um, and we've been hearing it all year, that you know how coaches, when they're ready to retire, want to pick their – their, their guy who follows them. Some coaches like Urban Meyer get to do that because they did really well and the perfect guys on staff and a guy like, uh, of course, Ryan Day. And then there's coaches like, say, Lloyd Carr, who wanted Mike the board to be the coach after him at that school up north, right? Obviously, that didn't happen. Well, the story is that D'Antonio really wanted Mike Tressel to take the job over. And now on an interim basis, he's the coach. But there's an open question mark as to whether they're going to get another new coach or if Mike Trussell's going to be the guy for this season and Sparty's going to just say, all right, we're going to recruit uh, – or we're going to, we're going to keep an eye on who the, the new coach is going to be. And if Mike Trussell somehow wins seven, eight games, maybe it'll be him. Uh, so there's some thought that D'Antonio is also trying to wait as long as possible to uh, step down from the role to try to make sure Mike Trussell got the job. But I think D'Antonio would have waited another day or two to lock up all these recruits for Mike Tressel before doing something like this had it not been for the Curtis Blackwell case. And I think that's a gigantic influence on this, is that I don't think he wants his career to end on any terms other than his. Uh, big picture for Sparty, though. You know, Michigan State fans, the, this is probably something that's going to be good for them in the long run. D'Antonio is clearly at the end of his, his string. You can see the results on the field have not been there the last three, four years. Uh, he, he was refusing to fire any of his assistants. He was rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic by trying to give everybody new roles. End of the day, they needed a new change up there, and they're getting one. Maybe they, they're a little surprised to get it, but they're getting one now. 
They sure are. Um, let's stay in the state of Michigan to close out the show. Last night, the Ohio State basketball team goes up to Ann Arbor, and they beat the Wolverines 61-58 in the Chrysler Center. A big win. Buckeyes, um, they were in a tailspin. They were 2-6 and six in the Big Ten at one point. Now they've won three in a row. Um, five and six now in the Big Ten, 15-7 and seven overall. I mean, there's... There's really no doubt they're going to make the tournament, in my opinion. Um, they're not going to be a high seed like we thought early in the year when they were number two in the country, and then they have now free-fallen their unranked. But if they beat Wisconsin on Sunday, I think they'll be ranked next week. Um, really, the ranking is, you know, I mean, that's uh, it's really irrelevant at this point. I'm just glad that this schizophrenic team is back going the right direction, Bax. Yeah, it's good to see them just winning again. I mean, we went from – wow, this is the best team in America. They just beat Kentucky. Look how good they are, you know? And then all of a sudden we're like, they can't beat anyone. What happened? Like, it's the equivalent of, like, you go to, like, a, an athletic tryout, right, and they're making you run, like, 200-yard sprints, and the first one, somebody just blows the doors off of it, and you're like, wow, that kid's going to be great this year. And then you do it again, and you're like, where'd he go? Because he's exhausted and out of shape, you know? it's I don't know what happened with, with them in the midseason. It's like their shooting went cold. They stopped running their sets. Um, I, I do think that the DJ Carton leave of absence here is going to be something they've kind of emotionally rallied around. You've seen them uh, sort of playing a little more mature. I also think that I I don't have any knowledge on this, but I really wonder if their success started to go to their heads, right? You've got a, a younger group of kids here outside of Caleb Wesson. Uh, you, you know, they were going into Christmas. They were the number two team in America or three team in America or whatever, right? And then things went went against them. And you saw Chris Holtman had a couple suspensions for violating team rules. It just makes me wonder if these kids sort of figured, all right, we got it figured out. We're awesome. And they started believing their own press clippings a little bit. And they learned a hard lesson about, hey, if you're going to be good, you have to continue to really put in the work. And, and remember, this is an OSU team that, I mean, look at the schedule before the West Virginia game. You know, maybe they were just as down and upset about the Fiesta Bowl loss as we were. That was when all this started. But in the end, I think they had to learn to, to how to handle their success and had to learn to go back to basics to put in the work it requires to get that job done. And we're seeing the starting signs of them having put that work in and put it, have sort of ignored their press clippings. They're, you're seeing the Buckeyes getting back to basics, and that's why they've won a couple in a row. And they're nowhere near what I would consider, quote, out of the woods, right? But, you know, whenever they were, what was it, like a one-in-six run that they were on at one point, they desperately needed to start turning things around. And if they can finish the season on a pretty good note here, get the 20-something wins, you can have a fair amount of confidence that they could be a sort of a dark horse team in the tournament because if they get back to playing the way they did in the early part of the year, they could beat anyone. So it's good to see Chris Holtman's kind of working his magic again and fixing a team when something goes wrong with them. Like, you know, we, we, all, we all can be magnanimous and look great whenever you're winning every game and, you know, whenever everybody's giving you accolades. It's when you get punched in the face and you're down on your knees, do you get back up or do you sit there and cry about it? And clearly Holtman's got his team to get back up and sitting around, instead of sitting around crying about it. They might have cried about it for a second and then they got back up. But we're seeing some resilience here, and that's what you need to see if you're going to be a big-time program in, in basketball. And the Buckeyes are being resilient. So, fingers crossed they continue to play well, beat Wisconsin, get back in the rankings, 
and then come March, which is really whenever you have to be playing well in the sport, let's be real, come March, hopefully they're peaking. The People's Champ is always peaking. Great stuff out of Matt Baxendale. Really appreciate it, Bax. You can catch his column every Sunday. It is the bucket. And just, again, another reminder to everybody, today's a huge day of coverage. Even though only one kid is signing Cam Martinez, that's a massive day of coverage. We're getting all 14 early enrollees. That'll kick off around 10.30 a.m. We're going to get those guys for you know, roughly an hour, not an hour each, but about 20 minutes each. Um, and they're going to bring some of them out at the same time. From about 10.30 to 11.30, we'll get the 14 early enrollees. About 11.30 till noon, we'll talk to Ryan Day. And then from noon until about 12.30, we'll talk to Kerry Combs and Corey Dennis. So keep it locked to Bucknuts for all of that. Thanks again to Matt Baxendale, and thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning in to the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's try that Buckeye swag, best in band in the land. Bye.